following is a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more information on Shore, for our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. So, magandang umaga po sa inyong lahat. So, um, today, first, hello, my name is Mick. So, I'm, I am a visitor here, but I have been here before. And um, so, this is for the sake of those who are visitors this morning. Um, so, I live in Whanganui. I drove the six hours yesterday to get here, just for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and then I, um, I just spoke in Filipino because we lived in Philippines for 10 years when I said magandang umagaposat nyung lahat. So good morning to you all. Yeah. Um, so I'm here this Sunday and I'm here next Sunday. Um, I've got a number of things going on this week in uh, Auckland. So it's all good. Oh, I just love getting my Auckland fix. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, so, friends, uh, I thought I'd just share a little bit um, on some of the one another's that are in Scripture. How many of you have read the one another's? Show of hands. Uh, just a few. One another's? One another's? Yeah, okay. Um, so the first one that I've got is taken out of Second Corinthians. Um, how many here have kind of read the letters of the Apostle Paul? I mean, Paul didn't set out to be a writer, but there were certain urgent situations that demanded urgent emails. So in a sense, this is what Paul was doing. He's writing urgent emails. And I don't know about you and emails, but sometimes when you get an email, you smell very quickly the emotion that has come with that email. Do you get that? And so like... Um, with Paul here, you know, there are some emails that he sent or letters that he sent, and they were angry emails. And that one, like, for example, the one he wrote to um, the people of Galatia. I mean, he was angry. And then there was another one that he wrote, but this time he was just so happy. He was full of joy. And that one was to Philippi. But the one that I want to read to you is the letter that he wrote or the email that he sent to the people of Corinth. And actually, it's one that is marked by deep sorrow. You kind of get his raw nerves here. So I'm going to read it. I don't know if you just, if you brought the ancient text with you, um, but you just might like to follow and listen, and it goes like this. So this is the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians Paul, an apostle of King Jesus through God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to God's assembly in Corinth, with all God's people and the whole of our care, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord, King Jesus. Let us bless God, the Father of our Lord, King Jesus. He is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our trouble so that we can then comfort people in every kind of trouble through the comfort with which God comforts us. 
Just as we have an overflowing share of the Messiah's sufferings, you see, so we have an overflowing share and comfort through the Messiah. If we are troubled, it is because of your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's because of your comfort, which comes about as you bear patiently with the same sufferings that we are going through. And our hope about you remains firm because we know that just as you've shared in our sufferings, so you will also share in our comfort. You see, my dear family, we don't want to keep you in the dark about the suffering we went through in Asia. The load we had to carry was far too heavy for us. It got to the point where we gave up on life itself. Yes, deep inside ourselves, we received the death sentence. This was to stop us relying on ourselves and to make us rely on the God who raises the dead. So in that passage there, it's talking about comfort, and this is where I want to go this morning. Um, People, for the very first time since um, we relocated from Auckland, as some of you know, uh, to Whanganui, It does have a silent H, by the way, down there, local iwi. Um, So we went to Whanganui, and um, I needed a new doctor. So I got a female doctor. First time I've ever had a female doctor. And um, just, uh, I did a, who does annuals these days? Anyone else? Do you do annuals? You know, you get your bloods done, you get this done, you get that done. Show of hands on annuals. Yes, oh, a lot of you here. Um, So anyway, I went to get my annual, and um, it got to the point where she, you know, wanted to place the stethoscope on my heart. So what she did, this doctor, was that she went to my side to place the stethoscope on my heart. And as she placed it there, because she was standing to my side, she could see the back of my neck, and she got the fright of her life. And she said, you have an ugly lesion on the back of your neck. I said, thank you. Um, And she said, I'm rearranging my schedule, and you're coming here tomorrow, and we're cutting it out and sending it away for test. So following day in the afternoon, I rock up to her place, and she comes out with knife. She looked quite, you know, pleased to getting to do a minor operation. And so she got this knife and cut this thing out and sent it away for testing. And I think it was a few days later, the news came back, bad news. It was the real deal, melanoma. Uh, Good news was that they seemed to, they said they got it all. So in a way, I dodged a bullet. I mean, if I had a shirt on, she wouldn't have seen it. I just had a singlet on. And so in a way, I'd have to say, anyone else had a melanoma scare here? Just a few people. Yeah, so I dodged that bullet. But you see, as you know, friends, not everyone dodges a bullet, do they? I don't know if you knew this person in the story I'm about to share, an Auckland young woman. And um, I know her well. It's a public story, so I'm free to share it. But, um, you know, her first marriage uh, didn't survive. Uh, Christian couple. uh, They had two little kitties at that stage. And then after about eight years of marriage, it, um, you know, just didn't survive. And, And then she, with her two girls, 
went and lived in elsewhere, and for about eight years, she was the single person in Christian community. And um, then, you know, she fell in love again. And uh, they got married, and um, you should have seen the photos, just glorious, delightful, beautiful, gorgeous photos. And then two weeks after they got married, he was one of those persons in New Zealand that died in a road accident. There was 26 that week. Do you remember that? And uh, two weeks after the wedding. That's just terrible. Did you know that story? Who knew that story about Jackie? Just absolutely heartbreaking. And that was just earlier this year. It seems to me, friends, that sooner or later, all of us in this room, I don't know, we lose someone or something significant. Yes? Yes? Could I have a yes? Yeah. And I don't know, when you lose something that's significant, it's like an amputation. It's like an amputation. It's like a body part that has just been removed. It's just, it's just terrible. Um, and the Bible has a word for these things that happened to us. And we read about it. And the word in this p- passage of 2 Corinthians, the word is troubles or afflictions. And, and affliction has a, a thousand different faces. I mean, I don't know. It could be a miscarriage. I don't know, it could be a failed marriage. I don't know, it could be a death of a family pet. Because sometimes family pets, they become like functioning family members. And you do lose a family pet and it goes to the very core of who you are. And, and I don't know, it could be like increasingly in New Zealand, couples who are wanting to have children, but infertility has struck. I don't know, it could be a younger person, a middle-aged person, and they desperately, well, not desperately, but something wells within them and they want to have a life partner. And for some strange reason, that life partner never services. I don't know, affliction has a thousand different faces. And even for Paul, In this passage that we read, his was a nervous breakdown. Did you realize that? When it said, when Paul wrote, and and, and I just love it that he's transparent with his people. And he's writing to his people. And he was saying, look, I've been through something in my life. and, And I had the sentence of death within me. And if you read the scholarship in and around that phrase, it signals, it suggests a nervous breakdown. And I just love it that this guy, Paul, he just shared all and that was all. So I have a question. In the last five years, what have been some of your afflictions? Tell the person next to you, go to it. Okay, 
How many here in the last five years and you would say that you've gone through a pretty, you know, rough time, a major affliction in the last five years? Show of hands. Many in this room. Okay. You know, I, I think that when it comes to this thing of afflictions, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know, but sooner or later we discover that the world is not a very nice place. It's not a nice place and it's not full of nice people and we don't have always nice experiences. In other words, I think sooner or later, most of us in this room discover that actually life can be unfair. That we discover that actually life can be cruel. I mean, sooner or later, I don't know, we, we discover that... Um, oh, I don't know, that, that we're forever getting knocked down by life. Yes? I mean, sooner or later we discover that, I don't know, events are seemingly out of control. I mean, I went through a 25-year period in my life where it was one thing after another that kept falling down, that kept going wrong. It was just one disappointment after the other. And it was like, as soon as I got knocked down by one thing, I just, after a while I got back up on my own feet and I just had to brace myself ready for the next thing that would come my way and knock me down again. And it was a 25-year period. And it was relationships that got knocked down. It was work that got knocked down. It was health issues that got knocked down. It was other people against me. It was me making mistakes. But whatever it was, it was 25 years. I just had to keep bracing myself. So I don't know, sooner or later we discover that life is just like an accident waiting to happen. Would you agree with that statement? Tell the person next to you. Do you agree with it? I mean, how many would agree with that statement that, that sooner or later we discover that life is like an accident waiting to happen? Do you struggle with that statement? Now, let me tell you the person who I first read that statement from. And it's a guy by the name of um, Jerry Sitzer. And he wrote this brilliant book called A Grace Disguised. Have you read it? Anyone? You don't read here. Um, <laughs> he wrote two very good books, A Grace Disguised, and then the sequel, A Grace Revealed. Brilliant titles. Let me tell you why he came up with that statement, that life is like an accident waiting to happen. So he and his wife, Linda, uh, after they got married, of course, they tried to have children and infertility struck their marriage and they couldn't have kids for about 11 years. But then as sometimes happens, then suddenly, you know, she's pregnant and they ended up with about four kids. And what they decided to do was homeschool. So stick with the story. They decided to homeschool, and then once their two elders got to kind of intermediate age, uh, they needed to do a school project on indigenous peoples in their part of the world. 
So the parents came up, this was Jerry and Linda, came up with this scheme and this plan to go to a reservation, you know, near where they lived in terms of, you know, let's go and meet with the tribal elders of an indigenous people group. So they all jumped into the family van, including uh, Jerry's mum, who was there for the weekend. So they all piled in with family dog and so on, got into the van, and they, it was a day outing, and they got to the uh, reservation, and they just, you know, somehow it was arranged that they could talk to the elders, they could talk, to, the, the kids could talk to kids, and they were taking notes and asking their questions, because it was all about the school project, and then they had dinner with the, the, the elders, and then there was a dance and a powwow after dinner, all this kind of stuff. And then it got to about 8.15, 8.30, and the kids were just so tired, they said to mum and dad, can we now go home? So they all piled into the van, and they were driving back home and 10 minutes into the journey. And Jerry was driving and saw a kind of a, a corner coming up. So he just decided to, you know, decrease speed, go slower given that it was a corner, and just slightly move over to the curb, as it were, because he could see some headlights coming in the opposite direction. And then that car that was coming in the opposite direction jumped the lanes and smashed into their van. And when Jerry came to, he noticed with absolute shock that his mother was dead still on the ground. His wife was dead still on the ground. And one of his daughters was dead still on the ground. Christian family, mother, wife, daughter, had died in the one crash. And Jerry, he said, he said it was just like a, a, a torrent. I had been run over by a torrent of pain. And it was he that I read that statement, that sometimes life is like an accident that's waiting to happen. And I think he's qualified to say it. He said a really good thing in this. Well, he said, it's the best book I've read on suffering. And, and, and one of the things that was really helpful that he shared in this book was that when things happen to us, take care that some things don't happen in us. When things happen to us, he said, that's like the first death. Whatever the disappointment is, but that first death can be followed by a second death. But he said the first death doesn't cause the second death. But the second death can happen as a result of something else. When, you, when stuff happens to us, it's so easy for us to be overwhelmed by negative emotion. And it could be hate, and it could be sorrow, and it could be, you know, and, and it could be anger. And these, these negative emotions well up and they actually end up overwhelming us and shaping our lives. And he says, 
if we allow that to happen, then something happens in us. And we end up with a damaged soul. I mean, I read, I heard the story. I mean, this is like these, this young woman was set to be married. And three days before her wedding day, her younger sister takes off with her fiancé. Did you hear that? And she was absolutely humiliated. It was like her feet were stapled to the ground and she couldn't move because of pain. And listen to this. Over the next 50 years, as the younger sister who ran off with her fiancé, over the next 50 years, as this younger sister sought reapproachment with the sister, sought forgiveness with the sister. I appreciate this is going to strike some raw nerves this morning. But as she sought forgiveness, the other sister couldn't extend it. Instead, she chose bitterness, hate work, despair. And you know, what happened to her was eventually the sister who couldn't forgive because she had these overwhelming emotions. Whereas earlier in life she chose hate work and unforgiveness, towards the end of her life, she became hate. She became bitterness. And she ended up with a damaged soul. And it was written all over her body and face. So I have a word here for some. For some here, and you are in grief, or have been in grief. And my word to you is this. You must seek personal transformation. You mustn't settle into pity. You mustn't get stuck in your sadness. You mustn't settle in your suffering. You must seek personal transformation. When we lost a little one, when we were living in the slums of Manila, the day after the funeral... A person in our slum came to Ruby and said to my wife, Ruby, Ruby, you must come and see little Joel. He is the same age as your little Joseph would have been. Now, would we do that in New Zealand? No, we wouldn't. But in the Philippines, where they often meet death, especially in the slums, they knew that it was important for Ruby to walk towards her pain and not walk around her pain. Because if you walk around your pain, you become a chronic wanderer for the rest of your lives. So Ruby walked towards her pain. And she became a different person. You see, 
Ruby couldn't change the situation, but she could allow the situation to change her. And so she became a new, different, better person in time. But a word for all of us here in this room, in terms of grief, I mean, get, please, get involved in someone else's grief. Did you hear that? Make room in your life for broken people. Could you just tell the person next to you that? Go to it. Turn to the person next to you. Make room in your life for broken people. If you make room in your life for broken people, in other words, what I'm saying here is that word comfort. Paul talked about he being comforted. And then he says, now go comfort one another. So go comfort, Shaw Community Church. Go comfort. As you go into this winter, go comfort broken people. But what does it mean to comfort a broken person? Get this, on March 15, as we are all aware, in Christchurch, Brenton Tarrant, that is his name, I disagreed with Jacinda Ardern. He has a name. Brenton Tarrant went to Al Noor Mosque in the Linwood Mosque. Brenton Tarrant comes from Grafton, New South Wales. And when he was about 10, his father, something terrible happened with his dad. I'm not excusing his behavior. But Brenton then did something incredibly evil and wrong and deserves all the punishment he will get. Absolutely. But when that happened in Christchurch, there was a big church down there. And they had a kind of a social ministries person on staff. And a number of their people in this church rang up, you know, this, the pastoral staff members, and said, look, is there anything that we can do for the Muslims in Christchurch? You know, can we bake a cake? Can we kind of send around food? Can we, you know, do this, do that, and, you know. And all sorts of wonderful, kind-hearted things were said, people wanting to do on behalf of the Muslim community. But as the pastoral staff member took the calls, after a while he noticed, especially come the end of the day, that there was one thing that no one said that they would do. And the one thing that was not offered, was not said, was how can I get close and near to a Muslim? In other words, these well-meaning people were wanting to do the typical Kiwi thing that we all do. You know, what can I do practically? But one thing that us Kiwis struggle at at times is to do the thing that we shy away from. And that is getting up real close. The word comfort in Greek from our passage carries the idea of... Um, 
allowing another to become near. So it's not baking a cake. It's putting your skin bag up real close to the skin bag of another. It's skin on skin. That's, that's, I mean, when Paul said, God has comforted me, what did, did God just, you know, I, I don't know. But what did God do? He got up real close, as close as God can ever be. That is what it means to comfort another in grief. Do you like that? So we're to do that with those who are broken through the winter. This is a word for sure community. This winter, be kind. Put your skin bag next to the skin bag of another. But when you do it, I mean, what mistakes do we often make when we're trying to help other people in grief? What mistakes do we often make? Tell the person next to you. Okay, here we go. I'm nearly done. Uh, What mistakes do... I mean, we do make mistakes, don't we? I mean, if you've ever been on the receiving end and you're doing life really hard and well-meaning people, I mean, there are some things that, you know, you don't do, eh? So I think one of the first mistakes that we make when we're trying to get alongside people who are broken is uh, don't take sides. Now, let me explain that. I was at the airport the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and I was waiting to board this flight, and there were people in the queue behind me, and they didn't know each other. I could tell that they didn't know each other, but they started to open up to each other, two women. And one of the women, one of the women she said uh, to the other one, she said, oh, you know, I, I was married for 21 years, but, you know, my husband, you know, he was just a control freak. And I'm listening to this conversation. I wasn't meant to be listening, but I'm listening to this conversation, you know, and she went on about, you know, men. And then, uh, and then the other woman, she said, yeah, men are dead used she said, and uh, uh, and she said, I was married too, you know, and uh, he had an affair with someone. And, you know, so then they started to, you know, talk about men, how dead useless they are. And, and, and you know, there was a part of me that wanted to take sides. Uh, not against them, but with them. I mean, because sometimes men are dead useless. You know what I mean? And so you do get some people and they've got horrific stories and you just want to just take their side against the other. So if you are with a person who is broken and they've got a horrible story, don't take sides. Jesus never did. Jesus was for the victim and the perpetrator. Jesus is actually for Brenton Tarrant and he's for the Muslims in Christchurch. So that's the first thing. Do you like it? Don't take sides. It actually doesn't help. So I'm being Dr. Phil now, okay? Uh, Secondly, Don't take a lot of words with you. If you're getting alongside a broken person, shut up. Do you get it? I mean, don't give advice unless you're asked to. 
What people want more than anything else is a really good listener. Yes? Could I have a big yes on that one? Yeah. And my last point, and it goes like this. You know, be prepared to be dumped on. In other words, when you're with a broken person, sometimes they'll give vent. Have you, have you seen this? I mean, sometimes in a moment of anger or rationality or just act off or, you know, stuff this, you know, they'll say and do things and they'll dump on you. I mean, mean, just recently, we had my mother-in-law. And we relocated her from Christchurch. I hope they're not videoing this. And we had her relocated from Christchurch to Whanganui because she's needing that constant family care. She's in a village nearby, just around the corner. And she dumps on my wife, Ruby. You know, there were just these times like, you know, like just recently she just, and she said to Ruby, I'm scared of you. At that moment, actually, I tended to agree with my mother-in-law. But... But but she kind of just dumped on Ruby. Now, Ruby is really smart, and she's learned that when some people dump on you, don't dump back, but dump away. So who does Ruby dump away to? <laughs> so there you are, friends. That's what I felt to share with you as you go into your winter. Uh, If you are grieving, seek personal transformation. But a word to us all, make room in your life for broken people this winter. And that means get up real close and just be with them through the winter. Amen. Catch you next Sunday. Bless you. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.